Almost all of college students think the economy needs significant transformation. The large majority of the theories and models we are taught derive from neoclassical economics. Our colleges are training the leaders, the movers, the shakers, the innovators of the future. To have the discipline fail to provide students a basic understanding of how power, privilege, and oppression interact and shape the world we live in prepares graduates of economic programs to go out into the world thinking that what they know is neutral. From the home offices of Civic Ventures in downtown Seattle, this is Pitchfork Economics with Nick Hanauer, the best place to get the truth about who gets what and why. I'm Nick Hanauer, founder of Civic Ventures. I'm David Goldstein, Senior Fellow at Civic Ventures. So, Nick, it it should come as no surprise that economics has been failing us as a nation, as a world, but failing young people in particular, because they're the ones who are going to uh, inherit this uh, screwed up world that we're creating. Uh, But it isn't just that the economy is failing them. It turns out that the economics profession, academic economics, is failing young people as well. Count me stunned and surprised. (laughs) But the good news is they recognize it. (laughs) I mean, it's funny because our our guests today from Rethinking Economics have this new uh, uh, report out, you know, that details basically how dissatisfied kids who are taking economics in college are both about the economy and the economics they're being taught. And it reminds me that there was like basically one course I dropped in college, which was Econ 101, for the same damn reasons these people are are you know pissed off today, right? Like I got a month or two months into this course and I was like, this is just bullshit, right? This is just nonsense. I There's no point in learning any of this stuff. This makes no sense. And hell, they're doing the same thing today, 30, whatever, 40 years later, however long it's been, right? They're they're still teaching the same uh, bullshit. It's just absolutely crazy. And, uh, you know, I think there is this moment, this very important moment where the economics profession has to transform itself from this, you know, goofy, neoclassical, make pretend world into a profession that centers itself on the economic problems that we face, like climate change or inequality or what have you. And so uh, these folks at Rethinking Economics, I think, are centering their work on that, which I think is a really cool thing and a really important thing. It'll be fun to talk to them. My name's Abigail Atchison, and I am network coordinator and staff organizer for the Rethinking Economics National Network in the U.S. And much of my work focuses on revitalizing student organizing at university and helping facilitate peer-to-peer study of the kind of economics that we want to see. Hi, I'm Nuhaila Udija. I'm a researcher and consultant for the U.S. Network of Rethinking Economics. And my work uh, revolves around uh, research, uh, external communications, and strategy work. Thank you guys so much for being with us. Uh, What is Rethinking Economics? 
Rethinking Economics is a network of students and recent graduates um, working to rethink the teaching and practice of economics and um, ultimately to transform universities to be more democratic, equitable, and liberatory through campaigning for curriculum change and through popular education. Um, so as I mentioned earlier, much of our work centers on revitalizing student organizing at universities particularly student organizing for curriculum reform and facilitating peer-to-peer -peer study of the kind of economics that we want to see. That is to say, economics and economics-adjacent learning that works to democratize, decolonize, and make more liberatory and equitable higher education. You know, obviously, this is a podcast dedicated to the notion that sort of uh, traditional economics is extremely broken. So can you say a little bit more about what the Rethinking Economics team thinks are the biggest deficiencies of traditional economic teaching and practice and theory? First, there is uh, the famous issue of, of monism or the systematic resistance of to diversity of thought within the discipline of economics. As many of your listeners may know, starting the 70s and 80s, the neoclassical paradigm came to dominate econ, academia, and policymaking and basically has never left since. So even though there are upwards of, of a dozen schools of economic thought, all proposing diverse and complementary understandings about the economy, the large majority of the theories and models we are taught derive from neoclassical economics. And what's worse is that we're not even told that these theories and models are simply one way to describe right. or illustrate phenomena. We're told that's just economics, that is the right and unequivocal theories. And we were actually able to to demonstrate that through the survey that we did. Yeah, I think that the point you make about that, you know, kids are not informed that there are alternative ways of looking at this stuff. It's just like, here it is. And this is, it's like physics and, you know, you're stuck with it. I think that's a very salient and important point other problems within economics because as you guys may know like the list is, is long it's long yeah uh another one that that's worth mentioning is is that alongside the lack of intellectual diversity which really impoverishes the field there's obviously a striking lack of representation of identities within the field um mm -hmm. it, it's hard to overstate the absence of the perspectives and, and scholarship of women people of color people of the global south and working class people so we end up almost exclusively with the thought of old white western men which yeah. you know everyone can imagine the repercussions of that um not only for the discipline but also for public policy and and the ideas and attitudes that are pushed forth and really it's outstanding how little econo economics has done to improve on this front especially compared to other disciplines like like stem disciplines for example and there's a lot of studies that demonstrate that and economics has not really even started to reckon with this with this huge uh huge problem so last year you guys did a really interesting study on how college students are feeling about economics, what their perceptions are of the economy and economics teaching and so on and so forth. Tell us a little bit about that study. Yeah, we we uh, surveyed a, a sample of over 2,000 undergraduate students, representative samples, so from all demographics, fields of study, type of institution, uh, political orientation. And we also surveyed around 350 economic students. 
And we actually asked a few things. Uh, we asked participants what their main motivations were for studying their major. We asked them what they thought were the most pressing issues in the U.S. at the moment. And we also asked about their attitudes around the economic system in the U.S., how they would describe it, how they see their generation's economic prospects within the system. Um, and then lastly, we asked economic students about their uh, curriculum and education. So, you know, our results are like multifold there. Okay. So just to clarify, you, you surveyed 2,000 general students and 350 economics students Correct. separately? Okay. Okay. Interesting. And tell us what you learned. So as expected, we found that econ students are exposed to very few schools of thought. Um, for example, only 22% reported having been exposed to environmental or ecological economics. Only 7% reported having studied feminist economics and stratification economics, which deals with race. And only 30% reported having studied Marxian economics. And this is obviously something that we knew, but what struck us was how contrasting it was with what students of all majors reported as the most pressing issues for them. Um, so the ones that came up on top by a large margin were climate change, racism, gun control, and inequality, or other terms such as poverty, healthcare, housing, and homelessness. So how it is that students think that these are the most important and pressing issues facing the country, but they're taught virtually nothing about them, you know? How do you want to understand climate change, inequality, race, which are inherently economic problems without learning ecological Marxian stratification economics? And we found that 33% of, of the respondents, economics respondents, only 33% could correctly identify having learned neoclassical economics, which that number should be, you know, a well-rounded 100% because that is literally what is taught in every single program, including the few heterodox programs that exist in the country. So this points to the fact that, you know, as we mentioned, the students are not told that the models and, and, and the theories that they learned are just like one of many schools of thought they're just told that this is economics. Right. So it's not, they don't believe they're learning neoclassical economics. They believe they're learning economics in the same way that physics students believe they're taught physics, which they are. Correct. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. And, you know, in the report, you know, one of the things that seemed really clear uh, that, you know, almost all of college students think the economy needs significant transformation. Right. Like nobody's satisfied with the status yeah. quo. <laughs> that was one of the more surprising findings of the survey. Um, we were really struck by how vast the majority of students surveyed thought that the economic system should be changed. You know, only 5% of students said that they thought it should not change at all. And in the survey, they were given, you know, the options of saying, should the economic system not change? Should it slightly change? Should it be drastically amended? Or should it be fully replaced? And only 5% said that it should not change. And 53% said that it should be drastically amended and or reimagined, um, which is a really striking finding and just gives you a sense of the dissatisfaction that a lot of students are feeling um, with the current state of affairs. And I believe also this this links to um, a dissatisfaction with their education as well. You know, the survey also showed that 
57% of economic students chose to study econ in order to understand the world better, and 53% chose to study economics in order to gain skills to make the world a better place. And so when you have that um, sizable portion of economic students interested in making the world a better place, dissatisfied with the current economic system and current social crises, who are looking to learn about racism and climate change and inequality and understand how they can use what they're learning at school to address those those social crises. It's really a, a quite devastating finding to see that economics is not including schools of thought that address these particular issues. Yeah. And, you know, of course, what's really striking about neoclassical economics is it effectively deliberately excludes all of the most important things like those those challenges that you that you describe. Well, it, it denies that you should be trying to make the world a better place. It insists that the only you know neoclassical economics and as it's taught today insists that the only social responsibility of business is to maximize profits for shareholders so it must be right. very disappointing to the majority of economics students who think they're studying a uh, subject that will help them make the world a better place when it's taught in a way that tells them that eh, no you're just going to make it worse if you try to do that just make money absolutely and just to add on that perhaps Economics doesn't even teach its students to like see capitalism as a system of itself, you know, it's just right. like applies it. And one of our findings that that also were really, really interesting was that when we asked students to describe the U.S. current U.S. economic system, the three adjectives that were the most commonly used, again, by a huge margin were unfair, unequal, poor capitalist, bad, broken, and corrupt. Other than that, how do they feel about it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so did you guys survey economics teachers? No, we did not. It was it was mostly student-focused, yeah. Okay. It would be very interesting to know how the people who teach the subject feel about their field and whether they understand how, uh, whether they appreciate the disconnect between what they're teaching and what people want to know about and the tools that they're looking for to acquire uh, in their lives. Yeah, that's, that's a really, that's a really interesting question. So economics is basically like, in a way, like a self-fulfilling establishment. So to get to be a professor, you have to get a PhD. And all PhD programs are neoclassical, except mm -hmm. for a handful, right? So like New School, UMass Amherst, U, Utah, and a few others. So if you want to research something from a non-orthodox perspective, so like not using neoclassical models, methodologies, and logics, you are just unlikely to get accepted at a PhD program, notably yeah. the top ones. And the same thing for teaching. Like if you got a PhD at one of the heterodox schools, it will be very, very, very hard for you to find a job. So much that so many of these scholars end up teaching in other departments completely. Like yeah. many of them end up in, in poli-sci, anthro, and, and sociology departments. Yeah, as, as, as we're saying, like diverse thought and critical thought is like systematically crowded out of the establishment. And so a lot of professors like had to go through that system and kind of have internalized it. There's like a lot of resistance actually to like 
criticizing economics and and its shortcomings. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah. But with that said, with that said, there are a number of professors that are open open to debate that welcome diverse perspectives and 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 that are absolutely sympathetic to the RE mission. Many professors in our experience changed the material they taught, the economists they taught, and the faculty that they hired uh, based on exchanges with students and and their lobbying efforts. Yeah, I'm wondering. So you have clearly this immense dissatisfaction with the economy right now amongst college students. And yeah, you have an economics profession that appears to be I assume to them totally irrelevant. There's this lack of relevance in terms of the way modern economics is taught. What type of impact? I mean, obviously, our colleges are training the the leaders, the movers, the shakers, the innovators of the future. What type of impact is this abject failure of the economics profession having on the outside world? Yeah, it has a really big impact. Um, you know, economics programs are often gateways into positions of incredible influence, whether that be policymaking, consultants, you know, the list goes on. And students are taught in university how to understand the world, how to think, how to interpret what goes around them, and how to think about their role in interacting with the world. Um, And so what is taught at universities really matters because it shapes um, people's personal and professional lives in a lot of ways. So there's a really there's a really big and often detrimental impact that this this failing of economics to adequately address the most pressing crises of our time has. And in many ways, this particular state of affairs contributes to a dynamic that has been termed a, a few different things. The economocracy is one term. Um, economism is another. But essentially a a political and social order in which economic experts are given outsized deference in decision-making, particularly political decision-making concerning the well-being of society. And so to have the discipline not only fail to provide students a basic understanding of power, of inequality, um, of history, of how power, privilege, and oppression interact and shape the world we live in, prepares graduates of economic programs to go out into the world thinking that what they know is neutral or um, objective, as opposed to inevitably impartial and in some ways political. And and that in itself contributes to a situation in which economics is seen as something that only experts can have a say in. The rest of us cannot wade into economic debates because it's too complex and difficult for the vast majority of us to understand. And as a result, that leaves a lot of political and moral decisions in the hands of people who are understanding those as purely technical and neutral decisions. Yeah, but I I would say that it's even worse than that, because the people who are shilling for that so-called objective framework, you know, the problem with the framework is that it's actually, it would be one thing if it was just wrong. But the the problem is, is that it's wrong in a very particular way, which mm-hmm. is that if you take any of it seriously, the only thing that will matter is a very small group of people at the very top will do better and everyone else will do worse. The existing economic framework is a protection racket. And in order to disrupt it, you have to, you have to show that it's 
more than just inaccurate. You have to explain to people, I think, the degree to which it advances the interests of some and disadvantages almost everybody else, which is the big fight. Absolutely. I mean, that is what ne that is what neoliberalism is. It's a modality of oppression like racism or sexism. It's just for money, <laughs> right? Well, money Super. and power. Uh, and Yeah, money and, and power. Yeah, and, <laughs> which is used in the service of racism and sexism and oppression. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> It's 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 commonly said that econ is to today's elite what Latin was to the clergy uh -huh. in the Middle Ages. It's like you know, it's it's the language of the elites that you know commoners don't have access to, and hence yeah. they don't have access to like decision making because they it seems it's like so mystified that they'll like, oh I'll just leave it to the experts like I have no clue. But you know, there's this 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 really cool um, quote by by Cambridge economist Ha Jun Chang. He says like 95% of economics is common sense and like the other 5%, like you'll get pretty easily if someone like takes the time to explain it to you. So right. yeah, you're right that there's truly this, this huge effort of like intentional mystification of, of economics just for it to be like basically the language of the powerful really. Right. Whereas in a PhD program, 95% of economics is math, really complex math that they'll tell me I don't understand and that's why I don't understand economics. Right. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So tell us about the glorious future. What's the end state? Yeah, so a lot of what we've talked about can be addressed through changes in the education that economics students receive. That is to say, economics curriculum needs to prioritize the well-being of people and the planet as opposed to maximization of profit and even the maximization of efficiency in their programs. And as we've said, you know, social difference and power, inequality, and just the earth need to be made central, not peripheral to the discipline. Prioritizing the demystification of economic ideas, as we've talked about, you know, that is a really prevalent mechanism of deeply anti-democratic practice, you know, and I would really invite people to think deeply about just how anti-democratic this state of affairs is, you know, and and we're located in the United States of America, which consistently lauds its own status as a leading democratic power of the world. And so to say mm -hmm. that so much of the political decision making that happens in this country is anti-democratic, and this is the mechanism by which that is justified, that's a really, really devastating critique. And so I think recognizing, you know, that no knowledge is purely neutral or objective, restructuring the discipline to make knowledge production from the global South and other oppressed groups central, and remembering that economics is a social science. You know, it was mentioned before that economics often aspires to be akin to the natural sciences, especially physics, where it's drawn a lot of inspiration from in its models um, and, and theories. But it's really important that economics learn to value and learn from the contributions of other social sciences. That's a really important step in um, disrupting this state of affairs in which economists are given so much deference. So these kinds of changes in the curriculum are some really important first steps towards bringing about a better future where economics is relevant and is able to meet the the expectations of these students who've joined the discipline and chosen to commit four or five years to the study of it in order to make the world a better place, in order to understand the world around them and their place in it. 
Yeah, I think that's absolutely fantastic. So one final question that we ask all our guests, why do you do this work? Well, for a variety of reasons. First of all, that it's it's very much needed considering the volume of crises we're facing currently. I mean, the biggest one being the ecological crisis, crises of 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 society, crises of of you know, economics, you know, economic crises and and so I think first of all like change is is absolutely necessary. And so it's just about like what part of change you're part of. And then secondly, I do this work because lately there's been like a huge momentum of youth organizing. There's truly like a renaissance of not only student organizing, but but youth activism and youth mobilizing because, you know, we are the generation of the future and we want to start taking ownership of the world that we will inherit. Just recently, I mean, like grad student and university worker strikes around the country have like Mm -hmm. been booming. I mean, just that the University of California graduate student workers strike that ended in in last January was the largest academic worker strike in U.S. history. And, you know, it was like over like 50,000 workers, uh, 10 campuses that really did not yield for five weeks until their demands were met. And so that really shows that like when people organize and apply pressure, anything can be achieved. And so, yeah, my work is really inspired by by such such efforts and also like sincere faith in our generation's power and will to affect change. I mean, we surprisingly saw that in the survey. I mean, we, I really wasn't expecting those um, those findings, but you know, people really want to make the world a better place. People really want things to change. They're noticing that things are not well and and there's like a lot of awareness um, being raised and a lot of momentum um, in change making. So that's what inspires me in doing this work and, and what motivates me. How about you, Abigail? My background is history and education. And so I have a really deep kind of faith in the ability of education to transform the world and transform people and and make big change. Um, and so I do this work firstly because I think that university education is a really important juncture point for changing all the things we've talked about here, but in particular, the undue deference that economic professionals are given and, and the idea that only economic experts can wade into political and economic debates. And then secondly, you know, I really believe it's time for a new round of widespread student organizing around curriculum change, around educational and working conditions, around the finances and structural policies of universities in this country. I think it's not emphasized as much as it should be, but we had a really um, profound reckoning at universities in this country in the late 1960s, when students across the country, not just in the Bay Area, not just in New York City, but truly in all regions of this country, were organizing and demanding changes to their curriculum that got at the heart of who the university was for and what the purpose of a university education should be. And so, you know, as a student of history, I. I study and learn these examples, and they really demonstrate to me the the widespread impact that student organizing at universities can have, and the fact that the only way we can make the kind of deep change we'd like to see in higher education is through students working collectively to make that change. 
So that's why I do this work. I find a lot of inspiration in the organizing that students have done before in this country and outside the U.S. as well. Yeah, that's fantastic. Academic economics is not going to change all by it on its own. No, without that pressure, no, it will not. Students, yeah, yeah, that is for no. sure. No, and this that is something is that sure. professors have said many times as well, where they've expressed that we would change our curriculum if only students would express an interest, um, and and often that's all it takes. Well, thank you both for being with us uh, and for your work. It's really awesome. Thank you so much for having us. It's it's been a pleasure. Yes, thank you. You know, one of the things that drives me crazy about the existing economic paradigm is li literally all of the interesting stuff, like whether it's inequality or climate or whatever it is, we refer to as market failures. Oh, right? it's an externality. It, it's we an externality. It it's external yeah. to the market. No, it's just not. Right. Yeah. It's, it's got the market's got. Don't yeah. don't you know nothing to see here. The market's got nothing to do with climate change or inequality <laughs> or racism. Yeah. But no, no, that's yeah. not economics. That's, that's something. Right. That, go go look at social sciences yeah. or something else for yeah. that. That become a sociologist is, for God's sakes. We yeah. have nothing to oh, do no, with that. Yeah. No, we're not responsible for that at all. I I think what struck me is you know you called it a racket. I think of. Um, the economics, academic economics, and the way uh, they described it is more of a church, really. Yeah, it's a belief it's a, system. And, it's a belief and system. what happens yeah. is, is when you're a heretic, yeah, you, you can't you out. can't get ordained as yeah, a as right. an economics professor. You're not going to get into heretics. No. Don't get into PhD programs at at, at most universities because right. it's hard to shake up. You know. Uh, a it church, is. But, it's an it's an insanely insular profession, right? But every once in a while, there's a reformation. Yeah, and <laughs> that's what I hope we're seeing. Yeah. you know, forming right now. Yeah, hopefully without the actual burning of the people up. In the <laughs> oh, you mean all the bloody wars <laughs> yeah. that yeah. happened over <laughs> yeah. hundreds yeah. of years? Yeah, yeah, that, that was yeah. a. That yeah. was a downside to the yeah. to the Reformation, wasn't yeah. it? The schism within the church. Yeah. Um, the the other thing that comes out of their survey that that I think is really encouraging here is that I don't know uh, class consciousness isn't the right word, but certainly the destruction, the the how destructive Orthodox economics has been to the American middle class. Yeah. Well, it looks like uh, the American middle class, at least young people are understanding that. That's and right. We are in this moment where I think it's a combination of things. It's not just what they are being taught or not taught in college, but also the whole structure of the university system in the United States, this for-profit system in which students and their families are asked to mortgage their futures in order to afford a college education. Well, when you're paying that tuition and you're coming away with all that debt and at the same time what you're being taught about economics is totally irrelevant to your lived experience that causes uh, people to rethink what they're being taught that's right and you know the good news is that i think that most young people intuit the you know the basic truth about economic cause and effect. And that is that a thriving middle class is the cause 
of economic growth and social stability, that the economy is people. And the more people we include robustly in the economy, the better it does. That the economy isn't profits. It's not industry. It's not the stock market. It's not GDP. It's human welfare. And if you can't center the study of economics around that, then the subject probably is not worth teaching. Pitchfork Economics is produced by Civic Ventures. If you like the show, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review us wherever you get your podcasts. Find us on Twitter and Facebook at Civic Action and Nick Hanauer. Follow our writing on Medium at Civic Skunk Works and peek behind the podcast scenes on Instagram at Pitchfork Economics. As always, from our team at Civic Ventures, thanks for listening. See you next week.